You've entered the only podcast that endorses the Wednesday Night Wars. Welcome to the Wednesday Night Wrap-Up, hosted by Val Sisko. Brought to you by Elite Wrestling Audio. Now let the chair shots drop. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to another great edition of the Wednesday Night Wrap-Up brought to you by Elite Wrestling Audio. It's your boy, Val Cisco, a.k.a. Lucha Val. And once again, we're here, back at it, talking about AEW and NXT. Which one had the better show? Which one had the better highlights? And which one emotionally had me invested? We're going to be talking about both shows. Of course, AEW is going to start off. There are a quick break and then go into NXT but before we get started guys before we get into the nitty gritty I want to give a quick shout out to my sponsor and here are we go all right all right all right so let's go ahead and start off the Wednesday night wrap up with a little bit of AEW Dynamite of course this week's tape edition of AEW Dynamite was on Chris Jericho's rock and wrestling ranger his grand La Champion Yacht, uh, his cruise, his pleasure cruise, if you will. Um, honestly, I was invested into this. It was a little jarring. I will say that. Like I spoke about in the last week's episode about Bash the Beach being in January, I kind of didn't dig it that much because it was in January, but it worked out. And same thing with this, you know, you're on a cruise ship, you're seeing happy people with bathing suits on and shirts and uh, Hawaiian shirts and umbrellas everywhere and on a cruise ship. So you kind of got those vibes of just, you know, spring break or summer, which I think this would do great in. But, you know, you just notice that you're in January and it kind of takes you out uh, of that of that of that picture right there. So um, I tried to not let it get to me too much. But in the back of my mind, it was slapping me a little bit. Of course, on commentary, we did have Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and of course, Excalibur once again. Um, Let's talk about the set, guys. The set was fantastic. It did look like an AEW indie show, um, but I loved it, man. Even though it was a very intimate crowd on the yacht ship, they were very um, loud and, and, you know, vivacious and fantastic they were you know they were vibing they were cruising they were having a good time on this ship probably half of them were were drunk already um watching these matches but they just they really made this feel special um i I, it's on a boat so it did look a little weird but honestly just it it worked it gave me it it gave me spring break vibes so i was happy about that tie and tron everything was fantastic um, a little windy, I will say that for a pleasure cruise, this was pretty windy. Uh, even came a point where JR was saying that uh, his hat blew off and this was going to be the first time he had to announce without a hat in like 25 years, you know, old WCW days right there. Um, so that was kind of funny to start off the night. And of course, starting off the freaking night was for the AEW Tag Team Championships. I was a little weirded out by this. I'm going to tell you why, because I always feel like the championships should end the show, no matter what 
what it is. I don't care if there's a number one contender spot at the end. I don't care if there's an important match or a feud at the end. Championships. If it's not the heavyweight championship, it should be whatever championship is being defended should be on uh, top bill of the card. That's just me. That's how I would book it if I had the ability to book it because it makes those championships feel important, like they're must-see TV. Um, and I get it. You're going to open it up with it, so it kind of makes it feel special, but I don't know. I just I would have ended the show with this. Anyway, it is the champions of SCU, Frankie Kazarian and your boy Scorpio Sky taking on the team of Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, part of the elite of course, what the story going on is that uh, Hangman's probably getting into little bar fights and fist fights because of his mouth being half drunk all over the place while still winning matches with Kenny Omega. And of course, SCU defend their child titles as well, too. Uh, they've been champions for a couple of months already. And um, you know what? It's, it's, it's difficult to say because I do like SCU as a group. And with the rumor mill going around that there's going to be a trios tag team title titles if you will by the end of the year sometime some someday in AEW I can see um that group um really making those titles feel special um along with the likes of the Jurassic Express and a couple other people as well too maybe the Dark Order but as a tag team with Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian I kind of felt like something was off their wrestling is phenomenal they are very engaging with the crowd but did they sell themselves as champions did they parade themselves as the champions as the best tag team in AEW no they did not um you had different different characters or different storylines with tag teams like the Young Bucks or the Lucha Brothers, the Best Friends, Hell the Dark Order, um, um, the uh, Inner Circle, all these other tag teams um, that were getting top bill on each and every week were showing more love than SCU. I'm not too sure if that's because um, SCU is maybe not fighting for it or they just don't know how to how to get their point across with creative, but it kind of just felt like they were champions, but they were in the background. You know what I mean? So because of the outcome of this match, I'm not too upset. I have my thoughts though. So into the match, it was a phenomenal match. Everybody was clicking on all cylinders right there. Kenny Omega, fantastic once again. I will say though, I am getting Kenny Omega fatigue just a tad bit. I don't need to see him every week wrestle and as much as that might be somebody's fantasy who hasn't seen Kenny Omega just heard of him through um, through the dirt sheets or through YouTube and things like that watching his New Japan fights yeah okay I can see that you're like you know you're hunkering for some Omega but at the same time like I feel like the specialness of Kenny Omega is kind of withering away little by little and even though his in-ring is still solid I kind of want to I want him to be someone that's more of a special occasion. Even if he's every other week, it makes it feel important. You know, work on promos. I think that's Kenny Omega's weakest part of his game is still his promos. Him cutting promos in backstage or just, you know, intimate settings or intimate promos by himself. He needs to work on that. And that only helps if, you know, you take the time, put the effort in into developing that persona. Um, right now, all I can tell you about Kenny Omega was that a couple months ago, he was going crazy, having a losing streak, and now he's just regular old Kenny Omega again, and that's about it. That's the only character that this man has, 
And I wish he could just dive in a little bit more into who Kenny Omega is and why we should buy into him. Um, besides his wrestling. Hangman Page. Uh, you know, I was talking to my boy Jay Rance about this the other day. And I, I don't like the story of Hangman just being drunk all over the place. And, you know cursing people out trying to get into fights and stuff like that it doesn't feel natural or the way he's portraying it doesn't feel natural um especially with his promos with kenny omega just feels awkward and maybe that's what the reaction you're you're trying to get from these two competitors but just i didn't like it i didn't I, i didn't buy into that whatsoever i was buying more into him feeling like he was the weak link out of the elite, out of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, and that he was the person who had all the pressure on him when AEW started and kind of faltered uh, when it was his time to shine. That's a story that I could dig my teeth into. Let me take a little swig of the bubbly real quickly. Mm -hmm. Ah, As Taz would say, water break. Anyway, guys, so the match is fine, you know, High spots all over the place, you know, whether it was tag team maneuvers. There's even a part-time where um, Hangman hits the buckshot lariat and hits Kenny instead. So I thought we were going to get some dissension, like I was talking about last week, between these two. And maybe that's why they wouldn't win the tag team titles, because things are spiraling out of control for Hangman. But no, um, what happens actually is that um, Kenny kind of gets messed up by SCU. You know, they... They hit their tag team maneuvers over and over again to Kenny Omega and take him out. And it's left with Hangman really just taking both of SEU by himself. He hits a buckshot lariat to to um, um, Frankie Kazarian. Then he hits another one to Scorpio Sky outside the ring. Then comes back with another buckshot lariat to Frank Kazarian. And then gets the pinfall. Essentially win the tag team titles by himself. Which he states that later on in one of his backstage interviews as well too. And uh, feel-good moment for Kenny Omega getting a title. And then, of course, Hangman getting a title as well, too. Um, you get the Young Bucks coming out there and celebrating with them. So feel-good moment. The crowd did like it. I just feel a little weird about this. And honestly, it kind of parallels to what Raw did as well, too. With You have a faction and the two unlikely tag teams. Uh, the two single competitors are brought into being a tag team and win the titles. Like on Raw, where you have Seth Rollins' little Messiah complex uh, stable, you see Seth and Buddy Murphy win the titles instead of AOP, which kind of doesn't make sense. You get the rub off for Buddy Murphy, but doesn't make sense. And then even over here, where you have the Elite, essentially, um, Omega... Hangman and the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks are the premier tag team. They are the ones that should be having those titles in that group. Um, and you would think that a company that kind of tries to steer steer away from what WWE does with having makeshift tag teams or unlikely tag teams winning titles, you would have thought that this company, which is heavy on tag teams, like actual tag teams, established tag teams, um, be pushed first. But um, maybe this is for a bigger storyline. I know after the match... Uh, you got to see, you know, once again, um, the Bucks congratulate Kenny and and um, Hangman. And Hangman is boasting that he beat SCU by himself. Getting drunk as well, too, in the background. And then um, bad-mouthing the Young Bucks, saying that, oh, you know, you guys are have been attacking all this time. You know, why are we the ones that are having gold and you guys don't? So, you know, a little dissension right there with the Elite. And that's probably going to get worse and worse as the weeks progress. 
until we hit revolution most likely but um interesting very very interesting i give the match about two and a half turnbuckle hits i think it was a decent match uh, it didn't blow me away but it was good it was good it was good it was good um a couple of another match of the night was of course dr Britt baker taking on newcomer to aew priscilla kelly honestly i'm gonna give this match one half turnbuckle taps it was okay um the pace was weird um the crowd wasn't super invested um and of course Britt baker does get the win with the lockjaw and I think it was after the match that everybody was kind of confused and even on Twitter and everywhere else, everybody's like, what the hell kind of happened there? Where uh, we got to see Baker um, do some kind of promo after the match as well, too. A heel promo. And I knew that she had, you know, she was heel a tad bit here and there. They were kind of going back and forth with her a little bit, little bit. But um, Tony Schiavone gets into the ring. Um, and of course, he's just giving kudos to Britt Baker and he was about to ask her what's on her agenda next and Britt Baker just cuts you know this weird promo on Tony Schiavone saying that oh I'm glad you you know you think you're famous I'm glad that you know you're happy that you're here in AEW and getting the love again because before this you were just a shitty barista at Starbucks and no one liked you you weren't relevant whatsoever and then Britt goes on about being the hottest chick on the boat and after that, basically, Jim Ross kind of cuts it off and is like, all right, guys, we got to go to commercial. And Britt Baker's still kind of promo. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess, like, she was trying to do her or her own heel shtick, but it kind of came off just weird and out of nowhere and left field. And I don't know. There could have been a time and place for everything. And I guess this... This um, commercial break kind of killed that for her, but the promo wasn't good either. She didn't convey that bitchy, snarky attitude. It was just for like, you know what? I just feel like being rude today, so I'm going to be rude to you, Tony. Tony sold it. Tony was like, well, shit. (laughs) Like, Tony sold that shit. He was like, well, fuck. I guess I am. I guess I do suck. Uh, so Cody, uh, Tony's still one of the best actors in AEW today. I don't care if it's genuine. I don't care if it's not genuine. He's just fantastic. Tony is just doing it up right now. Whatever he's doing in AEW, he's doing it up. Jurassic Express, Marco Stunt, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus take on the Inner Circle, Santana, Ortiz, and Jericho. Um, I'm going to give this match two turnbuckle hits. It was a decent match for a six-man tag. I know I said earlier that that those it was announced that possibly a trios tag team championship is coming to AEW, so that fits really well to Jurassic Express. It could fit well with Inner Circle if, if they're still around at that time. Um, this match was fun. We got to see different combinations, uh, of course, with uh, Jungle Boy, who looked like he was just favoring his ribs for for some reason throughout the match. Um, Jungle Boy uh, and Marco Stunt taking on, you know, the uh, proud and powerful. Um, you get to see a great exchange between Marco and Chris Jericho, which was fun. Luchasaurus running roughshod against everybody. You know, um, it's going to be very interesting to see what Luchasaurus does within later this year or next year. If he branches out to be a singles competitor and what he can do, I would love to see just a, a great singles match between like Luchasaurus and Kenny Omega. Those guys will seem like they will tear it up. But then again, 
maybe this is where Luchasaurus is looking good right now. Maybe he's really great in these tag team roles where he gets the hot tag and he looks fantastic. Maybe he could be a little exposed with more of a credible wrestler. I'm not too sure. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens this year. But, um, of course, as you can imagine, this match was... Um, High velocity, crazy spots, things happening over and over and over again. A lot of Marco stunt action, doing a lot of funny moves, such as like the tornado DDT, um, splashes, and things of that nature. It kind of culminated with um, uh, Marco stunt hitting a splash to Jericho, almost getting a near fall with the announcers, is really making that a big deal that he almost got a near fall for Jericho, something that, you know, Jungle Boy couldn't do. And um, Jericho hits Marco Stone with a fantastic um, Judas effect, which I felt like the announcers didn't really play it up as much as possible. I think they were a little caught off guard. The Judas effect hits it, and then the pinfall was done. Um, The announcers kind of dropped the ball here, just a tad bit. But great match. Great to see Jericho just, you know, have fun with someone like Marco Stunt. Um... And really give him something out of this match. Even though he lost, he gained a lot of momentum, in my opinion. Uh, fan support as well, too. Everybody looked good in this match. Um, Jericho, fantastic. Jericho was just commanding this audience, even though it's his cruise. And, um, you know, he, he, he's top bill. You know, he's just, whatever he's doing right now, they show clips of, of the crews, like what they've been doing, whether it was like a Fozzie concert, whether it was more women's wrestling that was happening on the cruise beforehand and things of that nature and people just partying, getting drunk and jumping in the pool. Chris Jericho right now is on top of the world creatively. Um, he's like, I want to say number one creatively when it comes to the business right now. Um, I would have said Matt Hardy, but Matt Hardy hasn't been doing anything creative lately. Rumor mill is that he may be making a jump pretty soon to AEW. Not too sure, but Chris Jericho creatively, one of the best minds in wrestling right now. All right. Um, next match, MJF taking on Joey Janela. My boy Jay Rance is saying that this might be match of the night. I have my own reservations because MJF, although he's been a fantastic heel, MJF hasn't really been doing it for me. As far as the wrestling goes, you know, he gives me Randy Orton vibes. So it's not bad. It's just not what I'm looking for out of that character. Whether it was his finishing moves like the Fujiwara armbar, the Salt of the Earth armbar, and then now using um, the the crossroads, you know, the double crossroads as he calls it. It doesn't really do anything for me. His wrestling style is very much stomp, stomp, headlock, you know, shoulder tackle, taunt, curse out the audience, and sell. So, a little less than desirable when I want to see him. Um, his heel work, once again, fantastic. But then again, Joey Janela, on the other hand, is has been doing fantastic, extraordinary work in AEW and does not get the praise he deserves, whether it's matches with, with Kenny Omega, whether it's matches with Moxley, uh, his match recently with Ray Phoenix. All these matches are great matches. He hasn't really had a bad match in AEW. If anything, he has a great match that he's put to the sidelines. And even... In tonight's match, I felt like he was carrying most of the match. The selling, the spots, everything that he was doing was fantastic. Of course, he did um, get distracted because he's still his having the, um, the the, the storyline with his real-life ex-girlfriend, uh, Penelope Ford, and her real-life boyfriend, Kip Sabian, um, doing the distraction finish, which... Um, 
my man MJF hits a horrible looking crossroads. I don't like how it looks. Yes, it looks kind of devastating the way Joey sold it, but MJF needs something different. He needs something a little bit different. Maybe something dumb. A dumb finisher, like a heart punch or something like that could work. That's just my opinion. Winner MJF, I give this a turnbuckle and a half tap. It was okay. It wasn't great, but... Um, what happened afterwards was just pretty fun. MJ cuts off. MJF cuts a promo on Cody. Cody comes out to confront him, but of course, uh, Cody has agreed to MJF's stipulations where he can't touch him. So of course, he gets the Young Bucks to throw a super kick party onto MJF. The Young Bucks toss MJF into the rock and wrestling swimming pool, and everybody has a good laugh. So that was pretty fun to see. Of course, we get to see. Um, the number one contenders match, which was the match of the night, I want to say, in my opinion, and the last match as well, too, which was John Moxley taking on Pac in the number one contender match, um, going on to AEW's Revolution pay-per-view. Um, La Champion was sitting ringside, not ringside, well, kind of ringside in this match with the announced team, and Jericho's commentary was good. It wasn't blown away. It didn't blow me away whatsoever. I thought... I was expecting a little bit more quick whips and a little bit more jabs here and there, which he did with JR a little bit, but I don't know. Just I want a little bit more from Jericho. But it was fun. This match was just incredible. We got to see Pat come out to a great re- uh, reception. Moxley is still a rock star, still having the bandage over his eye and face from Jericho's attack to his eye last week. So they were telling that story, and that story was very magical in this match. You get to see Moxley sell the eye. Pac really just sizing him up systematically and looking for different ways to be cerebral in this match, whether it was like an eye poke, whether it was trying to damage the good eye, whether it was looking for ways to like, you know, put a headlock and then poke the eye and stuff like that. Really look for an advantage to take on Moxley. But of course, Moxley does get the wind with the paradigm shift, um, the elevated double and DDT, and gets the win. We get to see a stare down between him and Jericho. And, of course, it gets into uh, next week. Um, next week's um, card as well, too. But um, I got to say, in all, was this a um, a worthwhile AEW Dynamite? It was good for nostalgic reasons. Like, it gave me, gave me some, of course, every AEW show gives you WCW vibes. But it gave me heavy WCW vibes in a good way, though. Um, the wrestling was okay in this, in this Dynamite. It wasn't blown away. If you missed out on AEW, you're not really missing too much besides the main match and, of course, the tag team match, which were decent as well, too. Um, that match, I, I gave three turnbuckles for the Moxley end and Pac match. Um, the whole car itself, two turnbuckle hits. It was okay. The, the, the setting was awesome. You know, some of the matches were okay. And the storytelling between Pac and Moxley, were, Moxley was just fantastic. All right, guys, so we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to get into some NXT. All right, all right, all right. So we're heading back to Full Sail University as NXT does its go-home show for, of course, 
Worlds Collide, which is happening on Saturday. And I want to say for Royal Rumble as well, too. I definitely feel that NXT is going to have some heavy presence in the Rumble. And we can talk about that later on as well, too. But this night was built upon a match for the North American Championship. The belt that I think is honestly the best belt in WWE right now. It is the Workman's Belt. It was what the Intercontinental Championship was back in the day. This was the Workhorse. This is the Workhorse title and it's a match between Roddy Strong and of course Keith Lee that was the main event but of course throughout the night we were building up to that along with other things as well too um, so of course the match that starts off the show was for the Dusty Classic the semifinals uh, it was Grizzled Young Veterans taking on Undisputed Era's Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. You got to see um, the Grizzled Young Veterans come out with the whole Undisputed Era following afterwards. Um, this was a good match. I'll, I'll admit that I had fun with this match. The Grizzled Young Veterans are a great tag team. I love me some Zach uh, Gibson, um, James Drake. Uh, his wrestling is fantastic. His character I'm still trying to get into, but both these guys together are great. Um, we got to see just back and forth action, of course, with Roddy Strong and Adam Cole in the background. They were trying their best to really be the Wolves and try to take this European team out of this tournament. Um, tag team maneuvers all around the place, whether it was suplex splashes, whether it was chasing the dragon or total eliminations, things were happening over and over and over again, culminating into Imperium making um, their way in the arena, distracting Undisputed Era, and of course, the grizzled young veterans taking advantage and getting the win. Beating Undisputed Era, beating the NXT Tag Team Champions, and advancing to the finals for the Dusty Classic. Guys, I was fucking ecstatic with this because as much as I wanted the Undisputed Era to get there again to the finals, this had to happen. We need to spice it up, and the Grizzled Young Veterans needed something in this tournament. They beat Kushida and Alex Shelley last week. I thought that was a big thing. Them beating the... The tag team champions, the NXT tag team champions, was even a bigger thing. I can see them winning. I can see them winning. Um, of course, Undisputed Era cut a crazy promo afterwards, saying that no matter what, that um, if Imperium tries to interfere later on again, they're going to get what's coming to them no matter what. Um, next match of the night was Io, Io Shirai taking on Tony Storm, a match that I was semi-interested in. Of course, with Tony Storm and her her downward spiral of losing her chance to capture the NXT UK Women's Championship two weeks ago, and now trying to capture the NXT title from Rhea Ripley. Um, going into this, I felt like this was going to be a match where we could showcase Tony Storm a little bit to get her hyped for um, Rhea Ripley. I did feel weird though because with Io. I, Eo's hot right now, man. Like, yeah, she's physically hot. But she's hot right now. The audience loves her. She's firing at all cylinders. Like, she is everything you want in a, in a superstar for WWE. Captivating, great character, connects with the audience, bad or good, has a great moveset, just brilliant. Um, so I didn't want to see Eo lose 
just to hype up Tony. Even though I do love Tony, I think Tony has a lot of prospect later on in the WWE since she's so young and so well trained already. You know, world traveler. She she definitely is a valuable asset. Where Io, I think this is her time right now. This is her make or break. This is her Asuka, Shayna Baszler moment right now. So the match was fantastic. These guys, you know, went back and forth, you know, um, whether it was German suplexes out of nowhere, whether it was clotheslines from Tony Storm. Tony really played the heavy hitter while EO was really playing the speed factor. These chicks were beating the living shit out of each other until we got to see. Oh, sorry about that. That first match right there, three turnbuckle strikes for the grizzled young veterans. Back at it right here, we got to see the, the, the match culminate with Bianca Belair getting into the ring and beating the hell out of uh, Io Shirai and, of course, beating up Tony Storm, which I'm okay with because at the end of the day, I didn't want Io to lose and I didn't want Tony to kind of come out looking strong. My only complaint about this is that Tony did not look as strong as he should going into Worlds Collide, but we get to see... Um, Tony get beat down by Bianca Belair, the the number one contender for Rhea Ripley's title at NXT Portland. Um, Rhea Ripley comes out to an enormous reaction. This chick is just... She is... Wow. Like, fantastic right now. If anybody is having the time of her life is Rhea Ripley with this audience. She comes out to an enormous reaction. Of course, her and Bianca Belair go blow to blow. Io Shirai interferes, and of course, she knocks them both out the ring. And of course, Tony Storm hits everybody with a suicide dive, kind of looking tall at the end of the segment with the NXT title staring down Rhea Ripley. Tony kind of looked strong at the end, but she kind of looked weak by getting beat up by Bianca Belair that bad. I could understand if it was a couple shots back and forth, but Bianca was just hammering shots right there. So it kind of made Tony look weak. At the end of the day, it still builds up to what's going to happen this Saturday. Um, that match right there, I give it about two turnbuckle hits. It was a good match, though. Uh, Finn Balor takes on Joaquin Wilde, the uh, aka DJZ from TNA Impact Wrestling. <sighs> okay, we gotta talk about something. First and foremost, we gotta talk about Joaquin's outfit. Dude, I understand my man, my man DJZ, Zima Ion, Joaquin Wilde. You know, I know he's always been outlandish, especially in his TNA run, Impact run. But this was just weird. Like, he was just wearing, like, a cape with some straw shoulder pads and this alien-looking helmet. And, you know, you know, Beth Phoenix is really trying to promote, like, hey, hey, he's a DJ, so he's always going to be, you know, on the cusp of new fashion. But this just looked terrible and weird. Um, match was interesting, in my opinion, because I wanted to see what DJZ uh, Joaquin Wilde could do against Finn Balor. They both had a similar builds, similar height, so and a similar style. So this would have been interesting. But of course, the Prince Finn Balor does really squash Joaquin Wilde. I was gonna say Joaquin Phoenix, horrible. Um, you know, a couple of his basic moves, his regular move sets, whether it was, um, you know, drop kick to the face, um, the. The Wing Chun, John Woo, drop it to the turnbuckle, and then, of course, the 1916, Kudo Ra, vice versa, to win the match. Um, calling out Dragonoff as well, too, saying that if you're going to shoot your shot, you better not miss. 
We also got a preview from Dragunov before this, calling out Finn Balor as well, too, again. So that's um, some some foreshadowing for what's going to happen for um, from Worlds Collide. I definitely see that Finn's going to win that Dragunov match, but that could steal the show. Those guys really know how to fucking, like, Dragunov knows how to really go in these matches. He's very captivating to the UK audience. And, of course, Finn Balor, for, for all the criticism he gets... He can really captivate an audience as well, too. Uh, I give that match, honestly, one half turnbuckles. It wasn't amazing, and Finn didn't do anything new um, to really wow me as well, too. Um, Shayna Baszler taking on Shotzi Blackheart. Um, I was excited about this, and I called it last week when Shotzi eliminated Shayna that um, they were probably going to have a match. I didn't think it was going to be this soon, but they did, and... This is a match to see where Shayna lies. You know, the announcers are touting that she's not going anywhere, that she's still staying in NXT, which I think is bullshit. Uh, but this is a great match between her and Shotzi. Shotzi, I've seen her throughout her career, whether it was in the indies, whether it was live, whether it was in Impact Wrestling, Evolve, and of course here on NXT. This was, I want to say, her biggest platform match she's ever had, um, at least in main TV. And I thought she rose to the occasion on certain aspects. Um, she did look a little, not not green, not, I won't say that whatsoever, just maybe some nerves being on uh, in the ring with Shayna Baszler, even though they wrestled before, or maybe just nerves in general, because a lot of things she would do that are pretty seamless or look flush kind of looked a little off. Um, Shayna looked great as well, too. They both were throwing stiff shots to each other, submissions to each other. Of course, the match kind of ends with um, the Karafuga clutch being um, put on to, to Shotzi after she tries to hit a giant senton bomb from the top rope. Shotzi does her best to hang on, and even the announcers even tout, like, oh, she's hanging on for more than a couple of minutes. She's going to pass out, but she taps. Um, I would have liked to see her pass out. Would have made the character a little bit stronger, more of a wildfire, if you will. But the tap happened. This is a good match, though. Great match for Shotzi. And um, good look for Shayna to still look hot going into this weekend. She's not promoted for anything for Worlds Collide. So I definitely see her. Rumble, guys. Rumble's going to happen. I, she's my main pick to win for the female Royal Rumble. Two turnbuckle smacks for that one. Okay. Um, the next semifinal match for the Dusty Classic was the Broserweights. Uh, we had Pete Dunne and your boy, um, bro, Matt Riddle taking on Marcel Bartel and Fabian Anker, um, part of Imperium. This match, I would have thought that Undisputed Era were, were to interfere and cost in the match, which would have made sense. Interfere, excuse me. That didn't happen. These were a one-on, uh, two-on-two match. Balls to the wall. This match was incredible. This match gets three turnbuckle taps for me. I think these teams just gel so well. I think... Uh, I know that uh, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne are just fantastic with their chemistry. Uh, even with their promo work, they're fantastic as well, too. Imperium looked great with Walter being in the background cheering them on, trying to do his stuff in the background as well. Uh, so many different near falls and sequences. I remember one was like a, uh, like uh, going from like a European uppercut into a German suplex that looked great from the top rope. Um, so many tag team maneuvers, whether it was the European uppercut or setting up the European uppercut to do a Hurricane Arana. 
So many different maneuvers happening in this match, culminating into um, Riddle um, setting up for the go to sleep. And of course, uh, Riddle hits the go to sleep while Pete Dunne hits the Instagram at the same time, getting the win, advancing to the finals that are going to happen next week, which I thought was pretty fast as well, too. Should have happened at Worlds Collide. That would have made more sense. Uh, where we got to see Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne take on um, the Grizzled Young Veterans. Um, Zach Gibson cuts a promo on both of them saying that, oh, Pete Dunne's selfish. And every time that Pete Dunne try, uh, sorry, Z- uh, Gibson and Drake try to reach the top, Pete Dunne always is there as a roadblock. Pete Dunne hits a great promo. Um, just saying I beat you guys before, I'll beat you again. Um, Zach Gibson makes a funny-ass line saying, I don't know what you guys call yourselves, the bromance or the, what was it, the, um, uh, the joint locks? It was something like that. I could be totally wrong. Or the joint, the joint manipulators, or, yeah, the joint manipulators. Which, if that was the case, they should have named themselves the joint manipulators, but I know they don't want to tout that Matt Riddle's a giant pothead. Um, but he did put himself on the spot in this one right here. So when he mentioned that, Riddle just comes out of nowhere and says, Bro, I don't understand anything you're saying in the highest voice he, he could imagine. And then he says, All I understood was you said joint and you want to manipulate it. <laughs> and I was rolling. And then the crowd, of course, chants that Riddle's going to smoke you. Um fantastic right there so very interested to see what happens next week in the finals i would have liked to it'd be more important on the platform like worlds collide to make something big happen but uh especially when you have nxc uk versus nxc in that match but i digress next week a bigger um sell to watch it on tv for the wars uh, of course the final match of the night was for the north american championship the best championship in WWE. Key Fleet taking on Roddy Strong with Undisputed Era in the background. Of course, this match was a great match as well, too. Key Fleet looking fantastic with the crowd behind him. As always, Roddy doing a great job in this match. I will say, after watching these guys wrestle so many times, this wasn't their best match. It was a good match, and I'm going to give it two turnbuckle hits at, you know, whether it was, you know, seeing Roddy get hit by the pounce, the line on the speed of era, whether it was Roddy hitting the rocket kicks and the angle slam from the top rope, uh, on the speed of era, trying their best to attack, tackle Keith Lee so Roddy could get the win. Um, the ankle, the ankle was a story throughout this whole match with Roddy hitting ankle locks and ankle submissions and trying to break the ankle throughout the whole entire night. Uh, well, in the whole match, excuse me. Um, it was okay, and it was great storytelling. I'm not going to knock it for that. I just know that these guys have produced better matches, more heartfelt matches. And for the result that happened at the end of this match, I felt like it was more of an afterthought. And I felt pissed off about that. That this finish, which was we, we got to see Keith Lee... Um, hit his version of like the, the fireman's carry into the jackhammer to get the pinfall on Roddy Strong and win the North American Championship. This, like I said, a monumental moment for Keith Lee. That title means a lot. I don't care what anybody says, oh, it's a new title. It's, it's a great title. It means a lot right now. It means that you are the workhorse of the company. And you get to see 
you know, a black man with a black referee holding the championship in a ring, which should be a, like every screensaver right now. That's a feel good moment. That's like there, like a hallmark moment right there. So Keith Lee just rushing out the ring, and then of course Undisputed Era is like arguing the ring, and Imperium come out, and they all have this giant brawl, which undercuts the accomplishment of Keith Lee and the big moment for Keith Lee, and we kind of. Roll off the air of this giant war between Undisputed Era and Imperium. Setting up for their match, of course, at Worlds Collide Saturday. I didn't like that. I, that that kind of pissed me off because Keith Lee deserved that last minute of shine. That's just my opinion. Nothing said for Keith Lee, I believe, for, for Worlds Collide just yet. But um, I put a poll out there on Elite Wrestling Audio's Facebook page on who are the picks for the Rumble this year. And I gotta say... I'm kind of pissed off that I didn't put Keith Lee. You know, we had people vote for Roman Reigns. You know, I voted for Kevin Owens. Um, some people, uh, most people actually voted for Drew McIntyre to get the win since he's been being pushed. Honestly, Keith Lee makes so much sense, especially with the rumor going around that Roman's going to be the last person in there. To see Keith Lee and Roman be the final participants and Keith Lee actually throwing Roman out or even pouncing Roman Reigns out that would be remarkable and honestly if you look at Keith Lee he's someone that could take on a person like Brock Lesnar at Wrestlemania and I know it's a lot of pressure to put on the dude but I think that guy could rise to the occasion he already has a Florida based audience right now NXT so the crowd's gonna be on the side regardless um I think he could go toe-to-toe with Brock he looks physically intimidating the things he can do with Brock, the the amount of like cruiserweight moves that Keith Lee can do, like moonsaults and topes out the ring against Brock should be fantastic. And I think that's a match that I never thought I wanted to see, but now that I look at it, I definitely want to see. Um, so it's going to be weird. I, I would love WWE to do it. I'd rather him hold on to this title and make it mean more because if he does win the Rumble, that kind of means that he's going to have to drop the title sometime relatively quickly and it only diminishes the value of the title, in my opinion. But, guys, NXT was great. I'm going to give this whole card 2.5 um, out of three turnbuckle hits. I think this was a better show out of AEW. Uh, even though AEW felt good and it was very fun to watch especially with the crews and the announced team and the little parlor tricks that were happening i think the more digestible show to watch was nxt um and that's really about it guys that's all i have right now i felt like i kind of cheated you guys out a little bit with my rumble um predictions and rundown so what i'm going to try to do is either this friday coming up or saturday one of them i do want to do a rumble kind of show where we talk specifically about the Royal Rumble, about who we think is going to win, who are the rumor participants. Maybe I'll have a guest on it as well, too. But I really want to just try to focus on it and hammer it down. So hopefully you guys stay tuned for that as we do some Rumble predictions and we have fun with it. Guys, uh, if you want to reach me, you can reach me at uh, Twitter at underscore, oh, sorry, uncanny underscore Val Cisco. I think I messed that up right there. Let's try that one more time, guys. Uncanny underscore V. You can find me on Instagram at Val Cisco. And, of course, Elite Wrestling Audio you can find on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and, of course, Anchor. 
Um, rate, review, subscribe, leave a comment, tell me you hate it, tell me you love it. I don't mind any good businesses. Any publicity is good publicity. That's what they say, right? So, I gotta say, I'm gonna get up out of here, guys. And I'm gonna go dig the bedroom, because I need that right now. It's been real. It's been awesome. Guys, stay beautiful. I'm out. Val out of here. Later.